Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And we're doing a very specific topic today, very specific discussion that's only going to be about the newest member of the Colorado Rockies. While this isn't a ginormous, you know, a massive franchise shifting pickup, you know, and it certainly isn't the kind of blockbuster news that, say, the Chris Bryant thing was. This is a big enough pickup that I think Brent Suter deserves an entire podcast, even if it won't be super long, dedicated to him, right? Today it was announced that the Colorado Rockies have picked up Brent Suter, the relief pitcher, lefty, who had been with Milwaukee for his entire career, and have added him to their bullpen. And it actually also brings their 40-man roster to 40 men, meaning that if the Rockies are going to do anything else, it's going to require some trades or some cuts or some other things to go into those decisions. And I did, my last podcast was basically all about that, right? Some of the guys that you could move around or may end up having to cut in arbitration or whatever that may be. But as of right now, full 40-man roster, and Brent Suter immediately slots into the back end of their bullpen, which is why it's worth having this conversation. It's no surprise, no uh, news to anybody here uh, listening that the Colorado bullpen has been bad for a number of years in a row now, and it's really undercut potential growth in other places. It is true that the bullpen was not their biggest problem this last year in 2022. That ended up being the starting rotation, which for anyone who was paying very close attention was a little bit of a surprise. Everyone in the rotation underperformed their career numbers, except for Chad Cool. Everybody else underperformed their career numbers, and it's tough to predict that that's going to happen, right? But the bullpen was a mess going in and and it was looking like there was only going to be a handful of guys you might be able to count on. And, and that's the way it played out, right? Bard was excellent. Estevez ended up being very good. There were guys who had moments uh, throughout the season, but nobody that, that you really felt like, yeah, that's a solid guy. As soon as the season ended, I said, basically they got to retool everything in the bullpen and with Estevez being a free agent and column a as well. You know, you're basically looking at Bard and who knows what, right? There, there's some other interesting guys we can talk about when we get into that. But who is Brent Suter? What does he bring? Because he almost certainly slots in immediately, like as the Rockies setup guy. Also, the fact that he's a lefty, you know, which is something they've really struggled with over the last couple of years. Again, having to rely on guys like Gilbreth, who's who's totally unproven and was never a huge prospect, right? But shown some promise and. Uh, yeah, it's just been a minute since they've had a veteran, reliable, left-handed reliever with good career numbers. Now, we all know that everything I'm about to go through in terms of his numbers doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate to Coors Field, right? There are a lot of guys who around this age, and, and I can go through a, a list of them real quick, whether you're talking Jake McGee or Brian Shaw. Before that, you had guys like Chad Qualls, Jason Mott. Right, guys who put up pretty good numbers and to really good numbers in other places for a long time and showing the consistency. But they come here, doesn't work out for them. That said, let's dive into it. What does Brent Suter bring to the table? He's 33 years old, like I said. So uh, one of these guys has been around a little bit. Uh, he's pitched, again, as I mentioned, for Milwaukee for his entire career. Uh, which goes back to 2016. So absolutely a veteran. Uh, you know, he pitched 81 innings his first full season 
So that's a bit of a workhorse out of the bullpen, uh, though I think he did do some starting in the early days as well because he also got 100 innings pitched in uh, 2018. No way he did all of that out of the bullpen. Uh, but he had a down year that year. That's his one year on record, actually, where he has an ERA plus below the league average at 92. Uh, it's still a 444 ERA, but remember, that's when uh, that that was the year that Milwaukee ended up uh, going against your Colorado Rockies in the NLDS, and they had quite a pitching staff that year, and still do actually. And so he was kind of forced into a bullpen, both out of need for him, where it seemed like uh, maybe he's becoming a league average starter. Maybe we can get more out of him in the pen, and we've got these other guys, right? And and that's how it's played out for him. He's been very very good since then. Uh, pitching. Now, he did have a, a little bit of an injury plagued uh, 2019, only got 18 innings, but was fantastic. Had an 049 ERA, so really, really good. In 2020, like everybody else, he was limited, but 31 innings, so a, a solid enough performance. And a 146 ERA plus, a 313 raw ERA. The next season, a full year at age 31, uh, he put up an ERA of 307 over 73 innings pitched. Again, workhorse is a guy who's was a starter, right? Has has a, a little bit. He certainly got the stamina for it. Though, you know, I don't know how much the Rockies will think about him in multiple inning roles at, uh, at any given time. Uh, you know, he's shown an ability to pitch late in games as well, though he does only have one save on his record, and it was from that season. This last year with Milwaukee, arguably a little bit of a down year, uh, 378 raw ERA over 66.2 innings, which comes out to 105 ERA plus. He's got a career ERA of one or ERA plus of 120, which again, very, very good, right? Solidly well above average uh, pitcher. And like I said, his only year on record where he was below average was back in uh, 2018 when he spent some time starting as well. So as a reliever, he has always been above the league average, typically comfortably. The last This last year was at, at the 105 mark. Still that raw ERA of 378 you like to see. Not huge strikeout numbers, uh, but decent strikeout numbers and very, very good walk rate. So here's where we get into some of the peripherals, right? That, we've got his production down there. His ERA tends to be pretty darn good. Uh, he's, he's done it consistently and he's managed to do it for a number of years. Inside of that, how is he getting there? This is going to be interesting, right? Because you look at his profile. For those of you that, that don't know, this is an interesting cat. We're, we're going to get into it here. I'll get to the personality stuff at the end. But you would think, okay, he's six foot four, 213, big lefty, uh, you know, they call him the Raptor. He's got this kind of really interesting delivery, right? So, so is he, he's bringing some heat or whatever. No, he's a, he's the very definition of a soft tossing lefty. His fastball velocity is in the first percentile. The, the, that means it's basically as soft a fastball as you're going to find in major league baseball. He's, he's throwing in the, the low eighties. Uh, a lot of the times, right? Think, yeah, Jamie Moyer, but, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there are those kinds of guys, but he's got a, a low velocity fastball and he throws it a lot. It's all on location, uh, movement. It's got a little bit of spin on it, uh, but he also makes use of a very, very good changeup. As of late, he used to throw his slider quite a bit more, but he's become primarily a fastball changeup guy. 
over the last couple of years, which is, I think, another thing that the Rockies probably like about his profile. Guys who have a really good changeup uh, and, and have managed to make that work at Coors Field have a, a little bit better of a success rate than some of those guys I mentioned earlier, Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, uh, Jason Mott, Chad Qualls were all very reliant on their sliders. And there are guys who've been reliant on their sliders and had success. Adam Ottavino, Tyler Kinley, to some extent, Daniel Bard. But, right, Daniel Bard had to go and get that that sinker. Yeah, like you have to have other things make it work because when that thing spins up in the middle of the zone, if you don't get the kind of movement on it that you're used to, it's going to get hit and it's going to get hit hard at Coors Field. Um, you know, which is the same thing of, of every pitch. But when you've got the command of certain things, the changeups have have borne out pretty well over the last couple of years. And it'll be interesting to see he's throwing that about uh, this last season, about 25% of the time. Uh, but like I said, the, the peripheral stuff that really matters for him here is beginning with the walk rates. He tends to keep that very, very low in 2020 and in 2018. Again, back that that his rough year, even then, he was a top 5% of the league in keeping the walks down. Uh, he, he's never been a huge walk guy, even when you know the, the numbers go up a little bit and he's not being elite at it. He's certainly still top end of the pack. The one place where he's always been elite, though, is in exit velocity. Top 2% of the league, top 4% of the league, top 4, top 4, and then this last season, top 5. And so, and and in terms of hard hit rate, top 4%, top 2%, top 1%. In other words, he's very difficult to hit the ball hard against. Uh, the thing that got him in 2018 was the one time where that happened and the home run rate went up. Essentially, if Brent Suter is keeping the ball in the ballpark, which he tends to do extraordinarily well by creating a lot of soft contact, he's not getting scored upon. He doesn't walk guys, so he's not giving away too many free base runners. He's, so whatever traffic he does have has to earn it basically by finding the, the soft contact that hits the right spots. I have a couple of interesting questions here now considering what this might look like in a Rockies uniform. My first thought was he's going to have tremendous infield defense, which is only going to help his profile that much more, right? When you've got Ryan McMahon's gold glove caliber defender at third. Ezekiel Tovar, we we're pretty sure, is going to be a gold glove caliber defender at shortstop. Brandon Rogers, who is a platinum glove caliber second baseman, and a tandem of CJ Crone, who's very good defensively, and the youngster Michael Tolia, who again has gold glove caliber potential there. That's really, really good infield defense for this guy who's a soft-tossing lefty who tends to get dudes to roll over, right? Now, the flip side of that, as we all know, is the end of, not the end of shifting, but the the new rules governing shifting, right? And that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for some of these guys. Him and Kyle Freeland is another one, right? Freeland is a guy who's managed to ride a profile of not being overpowering but creating a ton of soft contact to a lot of success here in terms of the dynamic of Coors Field and away from Coors Field. And I'll be very curious to see if something similar can happen with Suter, a guy who's not relying on overpowering stuff to get outs. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to 
bust a guy up and in or have the most wipeout slider or, or cutter or curveball of all time to get the big swing and miss. As much as he does get some strikeouts in here, and there, there have been some years where his strikeout numbers have been pretty good. There have been other years that have been mediocre at best. Uh, but he's always creating this kind of soft contact. And so, you know, if you're not reliant so much on missing bats, which can be a little bit more of a crapshoot when you're a Rockies pitcher because your, your stuff's going to move differently at home than on the road. But you're not over, like, a big part of his success is just throwing dudes off. Some of it, you're not used to seeing an 80-mile-an-hour fastball. Like, some of it's that, like, and it's got, he comes from a weird angle. He's not a sidewinder or anything, but he's just, he's funky. It's the, the, the old phrase of, like, it's all knees and elbows coming at you, right? Like, and the league has had a number of years and a lot of innings to get a look at Suter and figure out, an approach for a guy who really doesn't have anywhere close to overpowering stuff. And they don't seem to have figured out one yet. So uh, I'll be very curious to see on that profile. And then again, like I said, to see if it is undercut at all by the the shifting. Now that's going to be across baseball. There's a lot of guys who, you know, are going to start giving up more base hits uh, than they typically do. Um, you know, guys tend not to slug much off of him so if he can ride out that storm by eventually getting his ground ball and the Rockies can turn you know the double plays behind them something they're incredibly adept at uh, this could be a really good match this could be something where now again there's always that elephant in the room that ghost in the corner that that moment of there are lots of guys who've come in and there's a certain element to their profile daniel murphy is a hitter even just like i know it's a different conversation but still you go that should that should play right you should put that at coors field guy's gonna hit 55 doubles or whatever we all said right and it just didn't it didn't play out uh, there there's an absolute mental game to whether or not you can be successful at coors field and the guy who's never done it it's always tough to tell if he's going to be able to do it. So outside of keeping the walks down, keeping the exit velocity down, keeping the hard hit balls down, which gives your defense a chance. And he's going to have a pretty fantastic defense next year to deal with, at least on the infield. Outfield is up in the air. We've had that conversation a lot. It's a little weird out there. But right now, this so this is, and, I, and, and there's, there's the fact that they picked him off, off of waivers, right? So we've talked before about how the Rockies are in this weird spot where they have to get better pitching, but they can't really go out on the free agent market and pay for guys who have stupendous numbers. This is the perfect example of shopping in the right area, but still getting like one of the best possible outcomes of a player you're going to pick up off of the waiver wire as a guy who's got a 351 career ERA, a 120 career ERA plus, no season on his resume at this point where he was just terrible that he had to bounce back from right and a lot of really good players have that year Kyle Freeland we've seen it in the you know in out here Adam Adovino had one of those out here you bounce back John Gray right it, it does happen and yes you gotta wonder what's he gonna be able to do so again now I'm, now I'm projecting now we're getting a little bit fun here but the other thing that I think is going to be interesting to see if it plays in Brent Suter's favor and I only know what I've seen on TV and heard on the radio and, and those kinds of things. But this guy's a bit of a character. He's got a Jim Carrey impression. Uh, you know, he, he he has fun out there on the field. He's a little bit, like I said, wonky sometimes. There's a, a funkiness to his delivery. I mean, the, the, he's just kind of a, to put it 
as broadly as possible. Kind of a weird guy. And I like that. Right? The Rockies, first of all, they they need a little bit of that. They've most of their clubhouse now is full of really, really good guys who are also pretty serious. Uh there, there's some some fun loving guys, some guys who can can, you know, bring the light, bring the mood. But they need one of these, bring the fun, like bring the Jim Carrey impression, get everyone playing cards, get everyone talking about TV shows or, and again, I'm, I'm projecting a little bit here. Cause I don't know the man I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to meet him and, and have these conversations and, and try not to be like the 25th person to ask him to do his Jim Carrey impression. And, and you can go on like YouTube, uh, I'm sure it's like on MLB network and stuff and see him doing it. But the guy likes to have fun, right? He doesn't mind going on TV and being a little bit silly and doing that stuff. Now that's that might not mean anything to you as a as a fan or whatever. And it might be it might mean a lot to you as a fan because you like having guys it's easy to root for, and he appears to be one of those. But I do wonder, and and you know, Brian Shaw kind of had a little bit of that and it didn't work in his favor. But if if you've got enough of that ability to not just drive yourself crazy over the difficulty of Coors Field and just being a relief pitcher in general, if you've got a sense of humor, if you can have a short memory, as it were, that can be really, really useful for a guy out here. And so without him being like a guy with a career 210 ERA, which those guys cost tens of millions of dollars and things like that, you know, without him being Kenley Jansen or one of these type dudes, Craig Kimbrell, right? The Rockies did about as well as they could have with this pickup here. They needed relief help. They got it. They needed a lefty bad, especially if Austin Gomber is going to go back into the rotation, which he should be given every opportunity to do. They they need him there. So they they needed a lefty. They got one. They needed a guy with good, consistent career numbers and a veteran because quite frankly there are going to be a decent number of guys in spring training this year there's going to be justin lawrence and lucas gilbreth and jake bird riley pint is going to be there his contract got picked up there's some interesting young talent that that you you might want to be able to rely on moving forward but in an ideal situation those guys are your Five, six, seven, eight in the bullpen, not your one, two, three, four. You, you know, you need those veterans there. That's why they went out and got column A last year, right? And that largely worked out. Um, but, you know, you need Bard, Suter, and and another one, hopefully, if they could get Estevez back. You go with those three, and then you've got veteran experience in your bullpen. And then it's not so bad to, yeah, let the young guys battle it out to see who's going to emerge and and become a thing, and who are the guys who won't. But this this is a really important stabilizing move. It won't mean much if they can't get their rotation right and if the rest of the bullpen doesn't line up behind them. But this was, again, like I was saying, for the money, for what they need, and for the complete package of what Brent Suter is, everything from his profile uh, in terms of, the like I said, the not walking guys and not giving up a lot of hard contact to maybe just having the right kind of personality that Coors Field won't bother him quite as much as other people. I, I think this is a fantastic pickup. You know, obviously, it's not 
a superstar player. But as I've often said on this show, especially when it comes to pitching, the Rockies shouldn't be in the business of trying to buy superstar pitching. It's not a good business model for them. They need to be diamond in the rough, bargain bin shoppers. And this is, this is fantastic. It's about as good as you're going to get on this level. If they could do this two or three more times, uh, you know, uh, if, if there's a starter version of this, oh boy, that's when you'll really start getting excited. If you can, you know, find a couple of guys who, for whatever reason, just aren't fits on their team anymore, but you can pick them up for cheap and then you look at the career numbers and go, hey, this, this, this could be a thing. Because Suter more than could be a thing, should be a thing. This this is a really good pickup, and don't be surprised if he ends up being, you know, the Rockies' best reliever next year. Still, the smart money bet would be barred. And by the way, that's who I picked coming into this year. People thought I was crazy because he had been so bleh the year before. But as far as getting relievers who aren't closers go, this is about as good a, a pickup as you're going to get. So... Hey, they're making moves. They they continue, and and this is the other thing. This is the final thing I'll say before wrapping this one up. Like I said, a relatively brief one today. But Bill Schmidt certainly has been a lot more active than Jeff Breidich was. These are smaller moves, but they are moves. There is direction here. There, you know, there's new coaches. There's you know the Sam Hilliard trade. There there was the the Nolan Jones trade, and now there's this pickup, right? And I think we're going to see a lot more. Like I said, the thing with the 40-man roster being full now is that there almost have to be more moves coming. Because just based on what they've said in terms of wanting to pick up a leadoff hitter, wanting to do more in terms of their pitching, they talked a lot about pitching. And if Bill Schmidt says pitching, 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 and all they do is Brent Suter, as much as I've just told you, great move, excellent, couldn't have done better on the Brent Suter thing. But it also can't be the only pitcher from outside the organization that's added to the roster this offseason. It can't be. There need to be more trades and or free agent signings. They got to keep moving things around. But Bill Schmidt so far in his activity, I know he didn't do anything at the trade deadline. I know. But from an offseason standpoint, his two offseasons thus far, he's been pretty active. And so I'm looking forward to see what else he's got planned because I don't think they're anywhere close to being done. But good mid-level. It's on a, the, the, the Sam Hilliard trade, the Nolan Jones trade, the hitting coach signing. Uh, hitting coach might be mid-level. The Hilliard and Jones trades, those are small, those are lower-level deals. They they matter, but they're low-level. This this is a mid-high mid-level move. If Suter pans out and really becomes like a quality setup guy for your team, then this is a great, great pickup. See what happens next. Thank you all for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all of the other podcasts here on the network and you're checking out all of their written content over at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.